and welcome to another episode of the Rethinking H2O podcast, where every week we explore different stories around water that include safe water projects, trends in the water space, and blue mind. We hope you enjoy listening, and now here's your host, Kevin Sofen. What's going on, Responsible World? Welcome back. Really interesting podcast today with the Water Conservation Coordinator from the St. John's River Management Water District in Florida, Deirdre Irwin. Deirdre has a wealth of knowledge when it relates to water efficiency program and watershed management, and it's going to give us a lot of insight on different things that you can do from an individual level, industrial level, commercial level to prevent runoff, do different things in your garden to prevent uh, better water stewardship. And we'll learn about what they're doing from the skip a week concept from not watering your lawn every day, or even as simple as just not washing your jeans every time you use them. Uh, we'll hear about some of the issues that runoff creates in Florida. And interesting at the end, hear about Deirdre's favorite body of water and what she loves to do by the water. We hope you enjoy listening and take care. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Rethinking H2O podcast. Really excited today to be sitting down with the Water Conservation Coordinator from the St. John's River Management District, Deirdre Irwin. Deirdre, how are you doing this morning? I'm very well. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing quite well. It's nice and warm here in Chicago, Illinois, just like in Florida, I hear. Um, That's right. We are enjoying a fairly pleasant February so far. (laughs) Yeah, better than our polar vortex here. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, they don't reach Florida very often. (laughs) Yeah, which is nice. So for those of us that don't know much about you and your longstanding background with water efficiency programs and being a watershed activist, give us some context about your background and and how you got involved with water conservation. Sure, no problem. Well, you can probably tell from my accent that I'm not from the U.S. Um, I'm actually Irish, and I graduated from a university in Northern Ireland with a degree in environmental science in the late 80s. And um, because I had a green card, I decided to travel to the States and try living there, In and I had a contact in Florida, so I moved to Florida. I had only planned on staying a year working a little bit and maybe moving on and traveling elsewhere, and here I am. This year will be my 30th year in Florida, (laughs) so my plan to move on didn't work so well. So um, I started working with the district back in 89, and for the first nine or so years, I worked in in regulatory enforcement. So um, we have a whole suite of rules related to protecting our wetlands, Um, And I worked with enforcing those and making sure that the public understood that they needed permits and that we protected our wetlands in residential and commercial situations. So then I got an opportunity to do education and outreach with the district here, staying with the same agency, and did that for several years until um, this. And a, a huge part of that work was, in fact, educating the public on water conservation. And then this role um, working predominantly with water conservation came up around 2005. I've been doing it ever since, and I, I really enjoy it, challenging as it is. That's fantastic. And from someone that's from the Midwest and kind of looking from Florida from an outside, I mean, I know there's there's always these tropical rains, and it seems like it's almost always raining in Florida. And with all the rainfall and the rivers and the lakes that exist in Florida, why is water conservation such an important topic? 
Well, you're right. We are actually spoiled with an abundance of water sources, surface water, groundwater, um, between our rivers, lakes, with the highest concentration of springs in the world, actually. Um, so we are not lacking for water. But we also have a prolific aquifer called the Floridan Aquifer that is about 100,000 square miles. And it actually goes into, it's not only in Florida, but it goes as far north as South Carolina, into Georgia, Alabama, and even Mississippi. So we have had this source, the Florida Aquifer, for our potable and other uses um, for many decades. And it's that particular source of water that is now starting to become impaired. We're seeing many signs that the aquifer is probably not necessarily at its limits, but we need to be cautious with uh, using it moving forward as we have so many users, both commercial, residential, industrial users using that same source. Um, being a clean source of water, uh, essentially a free source of water, it's cheaper to use aquifer water in terms of treatment than many other sources. So even though we get a lot of rainfall, about 52 inches a year, which feeds our aquifer, and we have all these surface waters. It's our Florida aquifer is the reason why we're exercising water conservation. Yeah, it makes we sense. make maximum use of it. And you, you talk about some of these risks to the aquifer, whether they're commercial, industrial, or residential. Could you maybe expand on more of those specific risk and then kind of within within that, what's the role of buildings within watershed stewardship and watershed management within a commercial, industrial, residential perspective? Well, we've got multiple users using this source, the aquifer, and all of those users are required to come to our agency for a permit to have access to use water from the aquifer or, and in, in many cases other sources of water. But regarding the aquifer, we our biggest user is what we call public water supply. So that is utility driven. And then utilities provide the water to um, residential customers. We also have agricultural sources, and as I mentioned, industrial sources and landscape irrigation, for instance, ball fields and other areas where we use water to irrigate golf courses and the like. But that number one source is, in fact, um, utility use of water, which in many cases is actually residential and, and obviously some commercial. So within those, similar to how buildings use a lot of energy, there are several aspects of water use within buildings, clearly plumbing. And cooling is a big factor. In Florida, we use our air conditioning for, in some cases, nine, ten months of the year. So many of the larger air conditioning HVAC units are use cooling towers, which actually use aquifer water. So we have regulations to encourage the most efficient use of water for air conditioning. And then probably the number one, or what I like to call the low-hanging fruit, is outside of those buildings is the landscaping around it and how we use water to irrigate our landscapes. In, in building off that water for landscape, what about different types of water runoff prevention or anything to, to prevent nutrients or stuff from your property mm -hmm. going into the aquifer? What's being done in those regards? Well, since the early 90s, the state of Florida has had 
robust stormwater rules to protect the water quality of surface and groundwater. So, for instance, a developer who's planning a new subdivision has to, the very first thing he does um, when he's clearing the land is install the stormwater system, which is a series of drains, pipes, wells that go to stormwater ponds where the water is treated um, by settling out before it flows into any adjacent water body. So Florida's been using these stormwater systems for many years, which has had a tremendous impact on protecting our local water quality. But in terms of landscaping, there is a water quality component to how we irrigate. So an efficient irrigation system will actually prevent the runoff and any chemicals that were applied to that landscape. So water conservation or efficiency in irrigation has both a water quantity and a water quality component. Interesting. And and what role does the St. John's River Management District play within this water stewardship effort within regards to the efficiency program that you speak of? Well, we have multiple roles, and just to step back for a moment, the St. John's River Water Management District is, all five of our Florida water management districts were set up in the 70s, and one unique factor or um, decision in setting them up was to design them on a hydrologic basin boundaries. So we are not on a geographical or political boundary. Well, I guess it is a geographic boundary. Our region is the basin or the watershed of the St. John's River. So it's all are part of 19 counties in central and northeast Florida. And then within the district, our roles include regulatory. So in dealing with issuing these permits to the utilities, to the agriculture, they all comprise of a water conservation plan. So any applicant seeking to use water from the aquifer must in fact demonstrate that they will use it efficiently and they are implementing a plan to do so. And those are reviewed on a regular basis and our enforcement staff make sure that our applicants or our permittees are in fact following through on their conservation goals. And we also do something called water supply planning, which is a long-term view to ensure that we have adequate water supply in Florida. So they're planning 20 years out usually for regions within our district. It's divided up into geographic regions. And we look at what the potential demand for water is going to be. So we look at population growth, typical use, and demand projections are developed. And then we determine, will there be adequate supply? So for instance, in central Florida, where our boundaries overlap with two other districts, South Florida and Southwest Florida Water Management Districts, we're working on a large water supply plan, and it's called the Central Florida Water Initiative, where we're trying to ensure that there will be adequate water supply for that region. So that's a very high-level, long-term effort that we're involved in. And then, of course, we have multiple other outreach and education programs going, cost share funding, all with the end goal of protecting our water resources, both the quantity and the quality. And within those community education outreach programs where you're either help setting goals or you're telling people about what they should or can't do, 
what have you seen that actually works and, and then what doesn't work and kind of how are you able to get the best response out of the community through tangible education outreach? Well, that's a good question, and we're always learning ourselves. It is very challenging. We've been doing outreach and education in both water quality and quantity for um, decades at this point. We have learned that, um, you know, it's very easy to speak to the choir. We might get requests for presentations from environmental groups, and those folks are already probably most likely exercising a lot of water conservation in their own lives. So we try and seek out audiences or situations where we're not speaking to the choir. We're speaking to folks who might not understand the reason or the need for conservation. So one successful program we've been doing for quite a while is what we call our science nights, where we partner up with the school and we join forces with other environmental organizations and we have a science night. And even though our, one of our goals is to educate children, we're really keen to speak to their parents who also attend these science nights. And these are usually very busy people who would not typically come out to a presentation, but they're in the school to support their children. So we work hard to educate um, busy parents who are water users. And we're also paying close attention to a lot of recent research coming out of the University of Florida on social science research with particularly with water conservation and learning who the users are, what they are likely to respond to, what kind of communication works for them, and what they are likely to change with regard to their own behavior. So there's some researchers over there who have been very helpful to us in designing our programs. We also look at other agencies and what they're doing, what's successful around the country. You know, we I listen into a lot of webinars, find out what other folks are doing, and we tend to be flexible and try new things. Interesting. And yeah, it seems like there's a lot of education and really fine-tuned research that goes into understanding who's doing what and how are they doing it. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to maybe understand a little more on what are some of those strategies that your organization deploys to help show people, residents and visitors, on what they can do to actually be proactive in their effort to be a water steward, a water citizen, by maybe sure. you know, something as simple well, as turning off the sink one- or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One thing that we've renewed again this winter, and this this idea came from Southwest Florida Water Management District, is what we call our Skip a Week campaign. So it's one behavior that we message consistently across multiple media, and we partner up with utilities to spread the word. So the idea is that in the winter in Florida, We've got a lot lower evapotranspiration, and in many cases, our turf grass goes dormant. So we're encouraging our homeowners to either turn off their irrigation completely or, at a minimum, skip a week, so only water every other week. We already have a rule that limits irrigation to one day a week in the winter and two days in the summer. And that's throughout our district. But this education campaign, an outreach campaign, is to encourage homeowners to actually step up and turn it off and only water it one day every other week. Our winters tend to be usually quite dry and cooler 
And then in the spring, in March, we switch over to two days a week. So we only do this campaign during the months where we know we're not going to damage turf grass, for example. So that's, that one has been quite successful. And with social media being a very common source now, we've switched from killing lots of trees and producing brochures and booklets to using social media in many different ways on, on all the usual platforms to message and then share the messaging with the utilities. So, for instance, we've designed bill stoppers that they can use so that we're co-branding and we're all using saying the same thing rather than sending out confusing messages. And it's this one behavior. And then we'll switch over to a different behavior or a different message in the spring and summer. I like that. I mean, making it very tangible, one specific action that you can do that can make a substantial result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really Yeah, cool. and, you know, we've learned from all this research that people are most influenced by their peer groups and their neighbors. So if we we're working to talk to homeowner associations, so if we can get into a neighborhood and influence a few key people, they will help spread our message. So that's always part of our, when we design these campaigns, we're always trying to seek out those key people who can help spread the message. Mm. So from your perspective, it's 2019, February 2019. What do you see as one of the biggest problems and challenges that the state of Florida and your water district faces in regards to the water quality and water conservation issues that exist in Florida and kind of what, I guess, what keeps you up at night and then maybe what you see is maybe a big opportunity for an improvement that's going to help the entire community? Well, I think that's the thing. There is no one thing. You know, our water resources tend to be facing multiple issues. You know, we do have water quality issues and there are water supply issues. And there's multiple reasons why we have those issues. So a lot of times people try and attribute a water concern to one solution or one cause. And in my opinion, anyway, it's just not that simple. Probably one of the best things we have going for us is our level of cooperation with multiple agencies, both at the state level, county level, our utilities, where we're all seeking out solutions together. And this link between water quality and water quantity is interesting. You know, and historically, a lot of these professionals have been siloed in their fields, but there's increasing interest in how when you have, for instance, an efficient irrigation system, it can actually contribute to protecting our uh, water quality in our local water bodies by not allowing nutrients. So I think it's continuing to work hard with all our partners and find solutions. You know, we've got lots of exciting exploration going on at the moment with several partners to examine alternative sources of water for Florida, and some of those are really providing some great results. So I am very hopeful that, you know, anything we're seeing going on in 2019, we can overcome with this approach to partnering up and co-funding projects. That's exciting. Yeah, it seems like it is never one specific thing. It's a multitude of things that are causing the problem, and there's a multitude of things that we as individuals and as a collective, as a community, can work together to do our part to help maintain a healthy watershed. 
Exactly. And you know what? Nowadays, it's really easy to get overwhelmed with social media, TV, books on the market, documentaries, you know, plastic and sea level rise and all of these things. I think it's important that we just focus on what we can do in our everyday lives and maybe that's using cloth bags at the grocery store or reducing our single-use plastic or showering for less or maybe not washing our jeans every single time we wear them. So if we focus on our own behaviors and what is achievable and then trying not to get overwhelmed with all of the stories coming at us. I love it. Yeah, just take one act at a time. And, mm-hmm. and just, just to follow up here, to finish up here, it's sort of a little off topic, but connected with the whole water discussion. I try and have uh, everyone that comes on the Rethinking Actual podcast answer this, but being someone that's working in the water space and does dedicate their life very much to protecting water, do you have a favorite body of water throughout the world? And do you have any particular water activity that you love to do? Oh, gosh. That's a really difficult one. It could be multiple you know, bodies. I, I am from an island, so I've always been very partial to the ocean. And if I'm speaking globally, I have to say there's an area on the northwest coast of County Mayo in Ireland, a coastal cliff walk area that is just spectacular that I enjoy every time I get home. But then here in Florida, you know, we've got so many beautiful springs and rivers but probably the one I derive most enjoyment for, and you might think this is funny, but I live on the, in a community that with stormwater ponds I've mentioned. So my house is located adjacent to a large stormwater pond. And I probably, you know, I, I, on the weekends I sit in the back porch and do a lot of bird watching from my back porch on a stormwater pond. So it's not a natural source of water, but, you know, it's, very enjoyable, especially in Florida with the multitude of bird species we have, as well as deer and occasional otters. So, you know, I would say probably my stormwater pond. <laughs> hey, it doesn't matter what the water source it is. It, it gives us that solace and that enjoyment, and, and there's nothing like sitting there and just watching the different bird species roll by. Exactly. Exactly. Right on. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And if people wanted to learn more about what the St. John's River Management District is doing, what would be the best place for them to learn more or get in touch? Probably our website is um, kept very much up to date, and the that is located at sjrwmd.com. So it's the initials of the St. John's River Water Management District.com. Awesome. Well, Deirdre, thank you so much for your time today and look forward to staying in touch. Thank you. This was fun. Well, so fortunate to be able to have that time with Deirdre. She's a very busy lady, and I was very fortunate to hit her up on LinkedIn. She responded, and she really delivered fascinating insight when it comes to how water is being consumed between the individual commercial or industrial level and how much water Florida gets a year from 52 inches a year and they still have all these different issues and a lot of that ties into runoff issues from stormwater runoff when looking at basically everything that's on our concrete and our asphalt ultimately ends up getting back into our watershed. So it's really important to have that litigation from the top level of, hey, you can get punished if you don't make sure you have the best water management processes. But then also 
some of it really comes down to we can have all these laws we want but really it comes down to having educated and global citizens that actually care about their watershed and if we can create different education outreach programs that hey you know that everything you do when you wash your car ends up going in the drain hey if you don't have these certain type of gardens that help capture the rainwater and help filter it before it goes down you're going to create more stress on the infrastructure system or what i also found really interesting is the whole notion of air conditioning People think, oh yeah, it's just hot, I put on my air conditioning. But from a commercial, industrial, or even residential standpoint, we forget how much water it takes to air condition our lives. There is a direct connection between water and energy within the water energy nexus that has a lot of intricate stats, but ultimately we can't create energy without water. So the more we use air conditioning, the more water we're using. So different things that we can do to reduce our power usage also have a direct correlation to using less water. So little things like that that Deirdre really gave some fascinating insight on. As you heard from her, you can learn more at sjrwmd.com or hit her up on LinkedIn, Deirdre Irwin. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Keep it real. Talk to you soon. Peace.